oh, right, there's a delay. Yes. <laughs> I was, like, looking at the screen. I'm like, wait, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Lore Lodge. <laughs> this is 35. This is episode 35. Oh, my God. Oh, it's going great. Everything's fine. Oh. This, is, this is fine. We're, hey, we're doing guys, good. guess what? What? Nuclear, 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 nuclear. Yes. It's time! I'm not going to lie to everybody. Uh, part of the reason that I decided we should do um, nuclear stuff today is because uh, I was very tired this weekend and did not plan. Um, and I knew that you would be able to fill in at least half the conversations. Yes. <laughs> it's like, ah, perfect. Now, I, now I'll know what it's like to be you I was on gonna the podcast. Say, I was going to say, are we, should we switch seats? No. I'm I mean, kidding. I don't know. We can't. No, you want to. No, no, do you want to host tonight? Do you want to lead? I could. I mean, you've got a. Do you have the gravitas for it? We can find out. Not tonight. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do any of this. There's nothing to do now. That's true. I, yeah, good point. Good point. Is it only? Is it really only episode? That was the exact opposite of the conversation we were having earlier. We were like, yeah. is it already episode thirty-five? But it still I don't feels wanna... like we just started. <laughs> yeah, like for us, at it least. really does. It's it's as we sit here in the like studio we built. Um, yeah, okay. With the, 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 that's not a tapestry, but it might as well be. It's a little little lore lodge thing. Yeah, um, we gotta sell little... those better. Um, oh yeah, part of the yeah. work I was doing this weekend was and pardon me is just like uh, mm-hmm. plans for like updating the studio and just like bringing some more. Yeah. So this is a did little you bit see the fifty new uh, sound panels over there? I did. We need to put those up. Yes. Also, as well, well as the twelve that are right there. Yeah, let's. We'll Let's, figure it out. We'll figure it out. This is this is this yes, is yes, this yes, is for off. You guys are getting a little bit okay, behind okay, okay. the yes. scenes. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway. Um, so we've got a few things to talk about tonight. Uh, we're going to start off, I think, with um, Dyatlov Pass mm-hmm. because that one kind of ends with something that'll take us into uh, nuclear disasters, and then we'll talk about uh, you know Chernobyl, of course, the Demon Core, some Fukushima, some Three Mile Island, a nice little accident that happened uh, up in Harrisburg, yep. which is the second worst uh, accident to happen in Pennsylvania after the founding of the city of Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was really wondering where you were going with that. I was like, is that, am I missing something? What else happened? I mean, there was Gettysburg, but you know. No, no, no. That was that was a good thing. We won that battle. I was gonna say, yeah, but it wasn't it the. Mm-hmm. If you're from the South, get got traitors. Um, <laughs> was that was that the ugly or like the most bloody battle of the Civil War? Antietam. That's it. Got it. Yeah. Um, which I think was in Virginia or Maryland. I can't totally remember. Uh, but yes, and then we'll uh, do a nice little segue into one of my favorite things, which is the Los Alamos body snatchers, which is something that sounds like something I'd talk about, but in reality it's something you'd talk about. <laughs> uh, so, that's uh, that's fun. Aiden's going to be sitting over here in the corner re- quietly researching Los Alamos Body Snatchers because he apparently doesn't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> I didn't name. either. It sa- when I first found out about it, I was like, this sounds like something that, you know, I would talk about. But, uh, no, in reality, it's uh, <laughs> it's not supernatural creatures snatching bodies. It's the federal government. <laughs> Interesting. I I know a couple of supercritical mass, uh, you know, events, and this is not one of them. Yeah, it's uh, it's not great. It did not go very well for Cecil Kelly. Um, could have gone better, but the the resulting uh, we'll we'll get into it at yeah, the yeah, end, yeah. towards the end of the show. But I want to open this by talking about Dyatlov Pass because it's come up in a few TikToks I've seen recently. Apparently, this one's making the rounds again, and we okay, talked yeah. about it in episode four, maybe. Probably, it was early. It was know, early. I don't on. know if it was exactly four, but it was it was early. It was a long time ago. So, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, the Dyatlov Pass incident 
occurred in the 1950s, the end of the 1950s, if I remember correctly. Um, it was a team of nine uh, hikers, who uh, backpackers, campers, who were in the Ural Mountain range of Russia, of the Soviet Union at the time. And um, this is one of those stories where there are a few possible explanations, but nothing that is concrete yet. And it does tie in quite a bit to the missing 401 phenomenon mm-hmm. because it's it's a very similar situation in terms of like how, how little we understand about what happened. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the interesting things is that people have been claiming that when uh, the animators were working on Frozen 2 mm-hmm. at Disney, uh, the avalanche or like the snow simulation they used mm-hmm. to animate the snow, um, somebody took the software and used it to simulate the conditions at Dyatlov Pass mm-hmm. and said, well, there could have been an avalanche and that mm-hmm. solved the case in like 2018, uh, except for the problem that... Um, None of the bodies were found under snow. The tent wasn't crushed. Um, an avalanche could explain why they left the tent, but it's not going to explain why they didn't go back. So here's what happened. Um, I, th- I feel like it was 1959. Um, you can, if anybody in chat wants to correct me on that, go for it. But uh, Igor Dyatlov and yeah. his eight buddies, um, there were actually 10 of them originally, but uh, one of them, I believe his name was Yuri, uh, felt sick, decided he had to go back. So uh, Dyatlov Pass is basically in the center of the Ural Mountains, Mm -hmm. and the nine of them were traveling through it on a hiking expedition. Um, Not really, like, any exploratory stuff going on here, just it was to, you know, test. They were just testing themselves. It was like climbing Mount Everest. Um, Now, the thing about Dyatlov Pass is that, uh, supposedly, I'm told in the uh, language of the Mansi people, native to the area, uh, their name for it in their uh, language means don't go there. So it's kind of like if instead of naming uh, Centralia, Pennsylvania, Centralia, mm-hmm. if you instead named it uh, Fiery Burning Underground t- Town like or something like that. Just like very on the nose, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, a, a few a few days into this hike, they, they reached Dat- Dyatlov Pass. And there are a few critical decisions that they – their critical thinking does not seem to have been working here. Yeah. Uh, they were several hundred feet from the tree line. Mm-hmm. And had they stayed within the tree line or near the tree line, um, the weather conditions would have been better. There was less chance of an avalanche. Uh, there was essentially no reason for them to be outside of the tree line. Mm-hmm. So, except for maybe just a better view. Exactly, and it was nighttime. So, like, yeah. you know, what were they really doing there? And uh, part of what makes this story so interesting is the conspiracy theories around it, because people are like, "I oh, I got 1959 right. Yes." Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I... <laughs> it is. <laughs> just, that was funny. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Also, just as an FYI, the, the hair routine is head and shoulders, and that's about it. Occasional sea salt spray to really emphasize the curls, but that's it. Also, although I did get yelled at by Becca. Uh, Which Becca? A- Acuff. Okay. Recently, because <laughs> she was like, yeah, now you're going to need to start taking care of your hair. I was like, what? And she was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a process. Oh, while we're talking about hair care, I should bring this up. Uh, if you go to aidenmattis.card.co, mm-hmm. which is in the links for most of our videos uh, in the description, you can get to uh, the Duke Cannon store, mm-hmm. and you can go through my hair care routine, which is Duke Cannon 2-in-1 uh, shampoo and conditioner, uh, the, the cedarwood flavor, which will protect you from the skinwalkers. Um, because... Seeing mosquitoes? What? Cedarwood. Yeah, yeah, and mosquitoes, but yeah, more importantly, gonna... the skinwalkers. 
did not realize that that was that was part of that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, cedar, sage, and sandalwood um, are three of the ones that people recommend uh, to to escape the skinny boys and also to woo the women of your tribe. Um, anyway, uh, really just a little flex. If you do that, you'll get a little bit off, and uh, we will get rewards points. So go for it. Um, anyway, to get back to the story, uh, people have suggested yetis, aliens, um, government testing, and, of course, uh, monsters like things like the Wendigo, mm -hmm. um, but the Russian version, which I don't know what that would be. Point is, um, who knows? Who, who, re who really knows what happened? Uh, because when we get down to, the, to brass tacks here, uh, these bodies were found up to a mile from their tent. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of them were found next to a pine tree where it seemed that they had tried to climb it. Uh, because some of the branches were broken higher up. So it actually seems like they tried to climb the tree and then fell out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the other bodies, um, all of these, all nine of them were in various states of undress. Mm. So it seems like one of two things happened. Either they rushed out of their tent, which by the way was cut open from the inside mm -hmm. in multiple places. Um, as if they took pocket knives and just like slashed it open to climb out very quickly. So they were clearly in a hurry, you know? Mm. Um so one of two things happened, and it's believed that it was uh, it was that most of them did not take the time to get dressed before going out into the negative twenty four degree weather. Uh, a few of them seem to have at least managed to pull some clothes on, but uh, you know, it, whatever puts you in a state of panic to do that. Uh, the other option is paradoxical undressing, where they would have gotten dressed and then later undressed. Yeah, just, uh, another, and that's a result of hypothermia, yeah, right? Yeah, because your body is it starts to like die mm -hmm. makes you feel warm yeah um so if you're ever freezing and suddenly you feel warm keep your clothes on yeah uh just just do that um so yeah uh other weird things they were found with each other's clothes on in some cases so it seems that uh and and, and like it seems that it's possible that after some of the party members had died their mm -hmm. clothes had been scavenged from them by the people who were outside of the tent uh, some of, one of the girls, uh, her eyes and tongue were missing, but her body was otherwise undisturbed, Interesting. um, which doesn't match typical scavenger behavior. Uh, and remind me, remind me again, how long had they been gone, like on this trip? Uh, so I don't remember the exact number of days they had been hiking before, mm -hmm. uh, they lost contact, but they lost contact on the 12th. Okay. Uh, they... The search party went out on the 20th, and they were found on the 26th Interesting, of February. Okay. Um, so, tw 14 days, I guess? Okay. Uh, two weeks. So, we don't know exactly when they died, mm -hmm. um, but we do know that sometime in that two-week period, uh, and, and you can never be totally sure because of the weather conditions, um, their bodies could have frozen very quickly. Yep. Uh, but... They were found, again, various states of undress. Some of their bodies had missing body parts that didn't match scavenging. But the one part that speaks to me about this whole incident... Oh, I, also, I forgot. Um, the area was radioactive. Mm. And the explanation for that, uh, given by the authorities, was that two of these hikers worked at a uh, plutonium plant, which would make sense if, and only if, uh, they were not following proper guidelines. Mm -hmm. because nobody working in and around nuclear material just does it in their, like, average workday clothes. Yeah. You know? 
they wear hazmat suits and lead and they're, you know, taking precautions. So unless these people were ignoring literally all of their workplace safety protocols, in which case they would have died a long time earlier, they must, that that can't be why the area was radioactive. It sounds like a cop-out and it's the Russians telling you that's what happened, the Soviets telling you that's what happened. Mm -hmm. So you kind of assume off the bat that anything the Soviets say is probably not true. You're, you, you gave me a look. What were you thinking? No, no, I just, so like, if anybody was curious or like, you know, their first thought was, well, what about nuclear testing? And just like the first thing that came to my mind was the testing of the Tsar Bomba, which I don't know if anybody knows, but essentially is the largest thermonuclear device that was ever detonated on Earth. Um, and that was detonated a little over two years uh, after this whole thing happened. So it's not, uh, unless they were doing other nuclear tests prior in a relatively similar area to that. Uh, it wasn't this at the very least. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, it's, uh, and also it's just not like, it's a weird spot to do a nuclear test, you know, like where the Ural mountains, mm, especially because I mean, this is a populated area. You know, this now, see, is, that would make it there, weird, there are, yes. there are tribes out there of like, you know, native Siberians. Well, it's also the Soviet Union. That's true. Good point. <laughs> and it also seems that the Soviets didn't really like the Minsa people. So, um, that Jeez, is possible. I. John Guido asks if uh, we like cigars. I've had like three cigars in my life. I've enjoyed them, but I, I haven't I been like a, a super consistent uh, taster. I've I've found myself uh, using like pipe tobacco more frequently than cigars, but I enjoy cigars. Um, exactly. yeah. And that radioactivity is a good snack. Anyway. No, it's <laughs> not. Um, <laughs> do not eat the demon core. Unless um, you're Godzilla. Yeah. You are not Godzilla. No, you are not. Um Yes, so the plutonium unexplained, the scavenging kind of makes sense because it's it's the soft tissue, but like at the same time, to go after nothing else on a naked body, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Uh, one of them was found in a cave, um, but most importantly, they refused to go back to the tent. What? One of them was found where? Naked in a cave. Yes. Um just, just emphasizing that. I, I am aware. Um, so the, the the real question here is, some of them even built a fire in the woods. Like, they survived a while and then died from freezing to death mm -hmm. and had weird parts of their bodies taken. Remind me, and it's, but some of them also were completely untouched. So if a scavenger went after a couple of them, why didn't it, why didn't it come back for the others, yeah. you know? And remind me, was there even evidence of an avalanche? I, I could not find ev evidence of an avalanche that crushed the tent. Got it. Okay. Um, so even if there was an avalanche, they could have gone back and realized the tent was still there. It would have had holes in it and been cut through. But at the very least, they could have gotten their clothes. Yeah. They could have tried to survive. But instead, they just seemed to have decided they were going to die. Um, so, the you know, you got to wonder why that is. Uh, and, and that's what has been confusing for me about it. Um, especially the fact that, like, they're deciding literally 60 years later. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, this was just an avalanche. 60, 70 even um, years later, this was just an avalanche. You're telling me that the, the Soviets in 1959 didn't get up there and go, oh, well, there was clearly an avalanche. Yeah. Like, that's it doesn't make sense. It, it sounds like something convenient they were finally able to just say to cover it up. Mm -hmm. But, I, uh, you know, at the same time, there's there's so many unanswered questions about it. And people are like, oh, they were, you know, abducted and experimented upon by aliens, which doesn't seem likely, yep. considering 
Also, if the aliens in Russia are anything like the aliens in the U.S., they prefer to keep their abductees alive and bring them back. Um, you know, not saying that aliens exist, just saying that, you know, as a trend, the aliens mm. seem to, or maybe they just don't like Russians. Um, well, which, some, no. But, uh, some Uncle Sam aliens? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that'd be entertaining. <laughs> Patriotic aliens. Oh. Um, oh, boy. Independence Day, but the bad guy is still the Russians. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Soviets hear Fortunate Son playing, and they look up expecting Hueys, and they see flying saucers, and they're like, huh? <sighs> yeah, so it's it's such a strange mystery, and the, the radioactivity bit of it is mm-hmm. the one that I think is the most compelling. Yeah. Because, like I said, not really any signs of significant predation, and if it was, it was scavengers. Mm-hmm. So... You know, what could it be? There's there's two bits here that stick out, and it's the radiation and the fact that the native people say, don't go there. Yep. Those are the only two avenues I can think of. Um, and those things could go hand in hand. True, but it's like tr- like hundreds of years back that they say don't go there. It's not just that. Well, the, the unless unless they're... Activity. Well, yeah, but who was blowing up nukes 400 years ago? Well, there are naturally occurring radioactive yeah. devices. So I guess it, that's the other thing, is it could be that the mountain itself was radioactive. Yeah. But would that cause them to freak out in the middle of the night and run away? Um, Unless they were sitting on top of uranium. Yeah, it, it would have to highly depend on how radioactive the area was. Because it, I don't know definitively of any... I don't know. What is the proper terminology for that? I guess uh, psychosis? Yeah, I don't know of any like direct uh, nuclear-induced psychoses. No, the only but, thing I can think of is like if they were literally sitting on top of some cobalt sixty, and it like started burning. Yeah, that that would make sense. But that's about all I can think of that would. Yeah. And radiation sickness would be more prevalent. Exactly. Than anything like that. And they would all have traces of radiation on yeah. them. Yeah. But it was just a couple of them. Also, somebody in chat just pointed out one victim was missing several teeth, um, that were recently and abruptly removed. So that could mean a couple of things. Um, I mean, maybe that they fell and knocked some teeth loose. But also, maybe the teeth were taken. Yeah. But what would take teeth? Like, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, is it possible that uh, the, the the local tribe had something to do with it? Um, but it doesn't seem like they were violent. Yeah. Uh, they do tend, they do, there, there are stories of them warning people not to go there. Um, but nothing that shows that they would be violent towards people staying on the mountain. So, mm-hmm. you know, what? It, it's it's difficult because the radiation aspect opens up a lot of questions. But if you take the plutonium, you know, plant exa- like explanation and you run with it, that only leaves supernatural explanations. Like, mm. you know, what is out there taking people's teeth on a mountain? Yeah. Um, Unless, and- like, one of the parties happened to be a serial killer that decided to just go for it at the mm-hmm. time, but... Yeah, uh, Salty Steve, you're right. One of the autopsies did say something about intense and unknown force, but it didn't seem like avalanche. Hmm. Um, they did not determine avalanche then. They basically had, uh, you know, blunt force trauma. So what caused the blunt force trauma? Um, yeah. Was there some psychosis? Were they fighting each other? Yeah, I mean, that's you know? the thing that I go to before anything else. But at the same point, because like on the topic of the avalanche, if there was, if the tent was still above everything... And all of the people were still above everything. Why would they not just go back to the tent and then mm. gather their things and leave? Yeah. Like... It, like, the, there must have been a reason they didn't go back to the tent. Yeah. 
and that's that's where my thinking goes to with it is something happened at the tent. Yeah. Because again, if it was an avalanche, mm-hmm. it would have killed them. Not like cause them car crash level trauma to their chests, as one of our commenters just said, yeah. and then have them manage to make it half a mile to a mile away. Mm-hmm. No, what whatever killed these people did it after they got out of the tent. Yeah. Um, and some of them definitely were killed, not just died of exposure. Uh, so, you know, and the thing is like that, again, if there were a, a animal on the mountain mm-hmm. that they knew could do that to somebody like, you know, a large bear or something like that, they would have said so. Like, I, that's not an avalanche that did that, you know? You look yeah, at it. I mean, that looks like an avalanche there, but that's, like, several dozen yards away from where the tent was. Also, the tent would be completely buried in snow if it was an avalanche. Exactly, yeah. Like, it's it's just not. Um, so, the yeah, the I, I don't like the avalanche explanation at all. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so, you know, there is, of course, the question, and this is the one that I think... Uh, you know, it's it's one of the more out there ones, but I think it's compelling. What if the reason for the radiation was that the Russians were doing, as we know they did, mm-hmm. super soldier experiments involving radiation, created some sort of mutant human, and it got released onto the mountain? Now that's an interesting thought. Would explain the secrecy. There's no doubt in that. Um, so, you know, there's... Obviously, a lot of possibilities, a lot of weirdness here, but, you know, and the thing is, like, could you do that with radiation even? Like, because it seems like most radiation just kills people. Um, Very rarely does it seem to cause genetic mutations within a person as they live. Yeah. You can see it in uh, the descendants of people who had radiation poisoning. Yeah. Um, the descendants of people from Chernobyl who have weird genetic anomalies, but not from people who were just dosed with it. So yeah. what happened? Yeah, just radiation doesn't... You're not going to grow a third limb out of nowhere with radiation. Radiation on a, on a born human body. Um, the reason why it causes the problems that it does and why radiation sickness occurs is because, uh, you know, light is a form of radiation. And it, you know, it is stopped by our flesh and by most things that we see and we perceive the reflection of that light off of those things and the different wavelengths provide different um you know our eyes perceive the different wavelengths as different colors but essentially radiation such as x-ray and gamma radiation is much stronger than visible light and so instead of bouncing off of flesh it goes through it that's why you know you get x-rays of your bones it doesn't go through the bones but it goes through the flesh whereas gamma radiation goes through everything and it goes through everything with such force that it is essentially the equivalent of if your uh, if your DNA were ice, right? Uh, it would be like shooting that strand, double helix of DNA with a gun and like blowing up bits and pieces of it. There That's are what... much easier ways to shoot DNA with a gun. Yes, there are. But so essentially what happens is that it destroys the double helix of DNA, taking out some of those uh, proteins, I believe it is, that Mm -hmm. makes them up. Amino acids. Yes. And uh, therefore, when it is used throughout your body for different reasons, you know, the 
the cells of your body read the DNA in order to understand what they need to do. I don't do. remember what ATP is, but I do remember the term ATP. Yes, ATP is important. And the um, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Correct. When you're something body... about like the um, the the Golgi apparatus. Yes. <laughs> When your body is reading the DNA in order to go through its normal functions, when pieces of that DNA are missing, it doesn't know how to read it. It's similar to how a computer, uh, if you break it down to the binary of the ones and zeros, uh, if suddenly you remove the ones and zeros, the computer program that's running is going to fail because it's not capable of reading it. Same thing in your body. And so the more radioactivity that you are exposed to, the more it destroys your DNA, the more your body is incapable of doing its normal processes, and therefore it starts to shut down. There is a safe limit in which you can have with radiation in your body because we are all exposed to radiation like that on a daily basis. You can have a little bit of radiation as a a snack. There is a, um, and you can learn more about this in the Chernobyl documentary because it's pretty factual or just do the research yourself, but there is essentially a lifetime limit of radiation that people can experience that is safe. Uh, And radiation is not like... Which is interesting because most things will filter out of your body, but like... And that's the thing is radiation doesn't filter out because... It's not in you. It's not in you. It's through you. It goes through (laughs) you. It's it's the damage it causes your body. It's kind of like Taco Bell. Kind of, yes. Um, So, yeah. Speaking of which, I had Taco Bell tonight. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Like he said, most things that that you're exposed to eventually will filter through your system and then you'll be back to normal with radiation. What's done is done. And uh, there is a cap to the amount that you can withstand. Uh, Essentially, it's... It's your body's, um, what's the term for that? Allowable tolerances, I guess you could say. And once you reach that, things will start to break down. And the, the more you go beyond that, the faster you will break down. Yeah. But anyway. Unless uh, you are that one guy from Japan whose name I forget who uh, experienced a criticality accident and the Japanese uh, government kept him alive for 90 days uh, while his... Um, flesh slowed off his body mm-hmm. and uh, kept him in unbearable pain simply so that they could, uh, you know, see what would happen to a body that had been exposed to that much radiation over time. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, the Japanese did some fucked up shit. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and it did not stop after World War II. No. <laughs> well, a similar thing happened, to the, and we'll touch on Chernobyl in a little bit, but one of the uh, people who were working at the plant, um, they they were exposed to so much radiation that over time they their face was literally like destroyed like you couldn't it was blackened you literally couldn't tell who they were and obviously they were in bed in immense pain barely able to communicate um and it's just it is horrifying and fascinating what radiation can do yeah, if, to the body if you were ever to be involved in a criticality accident your your best bet would just be to end it yeah um that is that that is not that is not a way you want to go no um that, that is just uh, it's not the worst possible way to die, but it is up there for sure. It's, um, yeah, I think it's it's definitely really high up there because it's not, even with something like dying in a fire. Burning to death is a lot faster. A lot faster. Um, smoke inhalation also usually knocks you out. So if you die in a fire, you usually don't actually even experience the part where you die. Yeah, you just, You're usually uh, hmm. coughing and hacking your lungs out and then you die. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like the depiction of fires and firefighting in movies is very inaccurate purely because of the fact that most indoor structure fires, you can't see anything. Like even with flashlights and things like that, like, the reason why firefighters are so commendable, and you know, I'm just going to go on a little rant here, is because they literally walk into rooms and buildings where they cannot see a thing. They train by wearing a helmet similar to that that Luke Skywalker wears in Episode 4 
because in a fire scenario, you cannot see, you can rarely hear because the fire is loud. Sometimes you can hear and that's how you communicate to find the people that are there. But it is pitch black usually, dense smoke. And what he was saying about the smoke smoke inhalation, that is how most people die in a fire. Yeah, it, it's usually not the fire. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously the, some of these nuclear accidents have been, you know, horrible. But that that's a good segue into uh, Chernobyl. Yes. So uh, I'm just going to let you take that one. Fair enough. So I'll give a condensed <laughs> Also, to, to be clear, uh, Chernobyl yes. Uh, specifically, yes, Soviet Union, but it was Ukraine, not Russia. A lot of people think yes. that it was Russia. It was Ukraine. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the town of Pripyat is... It, a lot of people confuse Chernobyl and pr- think it's the town. The town is Pripyat. Mm-hmm. The plant is Chernobyl. And all of this is, is within Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Chernobyl was the name of the power plant of the city of Chernobyl, which is southeast of the power plant itself. And Pripyat was a small town that was built up after the uh, power plant was initially built. Um, it was a very nice town. Mm-hmm. And it was considered like a, a one of the better places to live. Yeah, one of the better places to live, like at the forefront of modernity at the time. And so, essentially, what happened was it, anyone and, who plays COD knows that there's a Ferris wheel. Yes, there is a Ferris wheel. Um, I won't. I won't go like really super long on this because I really highly recommend if you have the opportunity and the capability to watch the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. It is fascinating. I got a lot of my information from there. I cross-referenced some of it because, you know, they don't always do everything 100% of the uh, accuracy. There are some fantastic creepypastas about Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But so essentially what happened is that um, the reason that Chernobyl happened was gross negligence and stupidity. That was it. Everything was... I thought we were talking about Chernobyl, not the U.S. government. (laughs) Everything was more than capable of operating in a safe manner. But the problem is is that they pushed everything to the limit and then over the limit. And by what I I mean by that is the day that Chernobyl happened was a day that was scheduled for a safety test. But the problem was is that... Ironic. Ironic indeed. (laughs) The problem was is that they were getting pressure from uh, higher-ups that they needed more power throughout the rest of the day. Usually with a safety test, you power down to a certain level and you say you run the test. Essentially the safety test was that they were going to shut down the reactor in order to see if by shutting down the reactor they could reverse uh, the turbines. Uh, uh, bear turbines. with me. Yeah, the turbines. Uh, bear with me here because I'm trying to go off of memory. Uh, they could reverse some of the flow of the steam in order to help kind of kickstart the turbines of the diesel motor to start up in less than 60 seconds um, because the whole point was that in order to keep water moving through the core in a uh, power failure scenario, they would be able to do that with their diesel generators. Yeah, with their diesel generators to keep everything safe. And I think, if I remember correctly, the, the plan was to shut down the entire plant to do it, but they ended up doing it reactor by reactor? No, no, no it was just reactor four. Really? Yeah, it was oh. it was just Reactor 4 that they were going to use. because, And that's the weirdest part, because everything that happened at, nuclear, at Reactor 4, the other three reactors... Kept going fine. Kept going fine for decades. Like, literally, as everything bad is going there, each other reactor still had normal work days going on, which was fascinating in and of itself. But anyway, so what happened was is that they had to have... They kept the reactor at half power throughout the whole day, which causes a problem in, in that... 
with that reactor specifically, I don't know about much other reactor designs in terms of these details, created uh, what is called a, um, a poison, which kind of kills reactivity, and it was xenon gas. And so that built up in the reactor, and then once they started to prepare for the test, uh, the, as they were powering down further, the xenon took over and killed the reaction, basically stalling it, uh, stalling the reactor. And so, as somebody mentioned earlier, does Dyatlov Pass relate to Dyatlov from Chernobyl? It does not, but Dyatlov was the, uh, essentially, man in charge on the night that the test was happening. And another reason that this uh, test went wrong and we got what we got was because a lot of the individuals who were working at Chernobyl on that night shift were new and had very little experience. The day shift were very well versed and they had a lot of experience working at the reactor. They knew what they were doing. Whereas the night shift that was just informed on that day that they were partaking in the test were not familiar, were not familiar with the safety protocols. Some protested trying to be able to stop things, but the Atlov just kind of pressured them into it. And again, it was a lot of just lack of knowledge and just gross overuse and misuse of power that led to this. And, and to be very clear, just for anyone watching who's uh, skeptical about nuclear power, mm. every single bit of this was human error. Yes. Nothing nothing about the actual reactor itself and the procedures to shut down the reactor, mm -hmm. nothing that was technologically in, is supposed to happen went wrong. It was entirely the people yes. running it. And it wasn't even the people doing the actual like operations it was the planning it was the oversight that that caused the problem yes. that they they wanted stuff people were not capable of performing yes and so what happened was is that as this reactor had stalled the atlov or the atlov ordered them to restart the reactor which was dangerous because all of that xenon gas was still existing in that reactor and they were trying to burn that off to get it back to normal but the problem was that in the time burn off xenon gas isn't it non-reactive no, you quite literally, like, as the reactor well, would rise. Well, xenon a noble gas. All I know is that within the reactor I don't reactor remember much itself, from chemistry. Yeah, well, I mean... I also, just to be clear, I failed the radioactive decay segment of my chemistry course in high school. Fair enough. Like, I on the final, I literally wrote, I tried. <laughs> I got halfway through the problem, wrote, it was radiocarbon decay or something, and I was like, yeah. I got halfway through the problem, and I was like, I, I can't do this math. That's funny. Um... But yeah, so apparently, according to the research that I've done, it burns off as the reactor goes. But the problem is that in order to safely restart a reactor, sometimes it takes anywhere from 12 to 24 hours. He wanted it done in about 30 minutes. And so they were doing the best that they could. But the problem was that once all that xenon gas was burned off, they had a power spike. And suddenly the reactor got very hot and uh, steam started you know, uh, yeah. forming and it just got hotter and hotter and hotter. So what happened was is that it was begun, it was beginning to go out of control. And in this moment is when everything went from horrible to disastrous. There was a button on every reactor. It was uh, RBMK reactors was the name of this reactor design. And on RBMK reactors, there was a button called AZ5, which looks like an A3-5. Don't ask me why they called it Z5. I don't know. Russian. Uh, Russian, yeah. Why not? And so what well, that button, Ukrainian. yeah. <laughs> so what that rod would do, or what that button would do, is that within the reactor, it kind of looks like this. Uh, in terms of these are, you know, essentially control rods, right? Mm -hmm. And then these would be. What are control rods made of? Control rods were made of boron in order to halt the reactor or reaction. Um, 
And then these would be places where the, the uranium would go through. Those were the, the fuel rods. Um, but just as a note, the fuel rods were surrounded by graphite. So let's, you know, in, let's pretend inside of these was the boron, but these themselves were graphite encasings. And what the graphite would do is that they would slow down the uranium particles as they were traveling in order to increase the reactivity because uh, uranium particles that were traveling too quickly wouldn't react with each other in enough time, but you slow them down and increases the chances of them knocking into each other and creating the energy. Anyway, so... Also, if I remember correctly, uh, nuclear radiation does not actually travel through water, right? Uh, like, it, it doesn't contaminate water. It does contaminate water. I thought, no, I thought it was... Yeah, because yeah. at least from what I recall, uh, initially with the reaction, uh, with what happened, they had believed that contaminated wastewater was the source of the radioactivity. Mm -hmm. So it can contaminate huh. water. Um, that's why a lot of, like, the, the GE uh, reactors that we have there, there's not even, like, it's enclosed. Like, mm -hmm. the liquid that runs through the reactor doesn't exit. It just oh. is, yeah, it's in mm -hmm. its own tubes that then heats up different uh, water to run the turbines. This is the one so, way the school could get worse. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so essentially what happened was is that, uh, so in all of these, um, you know, open, um, open channels essentially for the control rods, uh, they were open. Let's actually reverse that. Let's say these are all of the uranium uh, fuel rods because they're surrounded by graphite. And then these are the open control rod segments. So what happened was, is that the AZ-5 button would, once it was hit, it would begin to lower all of the control rods that were removed in order to increase the reactivity of the reactor. The problem was is that, and in the show they describe it as the tips, but this is the, one of the biggest problems I have with the show is because I didn't understand what they meant by tips initially. And it's because when you think of something as a tip, you think of like, let's say this is the control this. rod. You think of like maybe this bit as the tip of it. That's a bad description of it. The reality was is that uh, the control rods were actually two full sections of rod. The control rod of boron was at the top, and then the other half of it was graphite. Thank you. And that was used to, again, increase the reactivity of the reactor. So the problem was is that as you were starting to lower the boron control rods in, the first half of it was all graphite, which, as we know, increases the reactivity of it. So, and in the show, they essentially just say the reason that they built it that way was because it was cheaper. Uh, I don't know necessarily what the actual reasoning might have been beyond that in some form of scientific or engineering manner. But nevertheless, all of these open control rod channels were suddenly being filled in with graphite, more material that would then increase the reactivity of the reactor. So in a moment where it was already overloading, it then all of a sudden had every other space filled with more material that would increase the radioactivity of it. Immediately all of the water in the uh, reactor turned into steam, reducing because water was a um, coolant. Yeah, yeah, it was the it was the co or the it's called the positive void void coefficient, and essentially water would slow down the reaction. But as soon as the water turned into steam, the steam would increase the reaction. So now you have no water to slow the reaction, no boron to slow the reaction, because once the control rods started to be put in and all that graphite was there, some of those channels just essentially locked because it, it, the energy within that, essentially minor explosions happened, locking it all in. So you had 
graphite around the uranium. Graphite stuck in the control rod areas, no water to slow the reaction and steam only increasing it. And at that moment, it, in a reactor that was designed to generate 3,200 megawatts of power, it went over 33,000. And it's over 9,000 <laughs> by a lot, and by a considerable margin. By a considerable margin. <laughs> and so what happened was is that the first explosion blew the lid off of the reactor. And then all of like, these literally. literally blew the lid off of the reactor. And then within the reactor was a lot of hydrogen as a result of the reactions that were happening. And superheated graphite uh, as a result of the react reactions as well. Oxygen rushes in, obviously, when in the presence of high heat, oxygen and hydrogen do a certain thing called explode. Uh, the Hindenburg might be a good example of that. So then this massive explosion happens, sending massive amounts of uranium and graphite into the air, blowing reactor fours, building apart. And the show does a great uh, depiction of it, that the... The reactivity level within the reactor room and core that had exploded was so strong that a beam of blue light seemed to be emitting from the room. And that was because the radioactivity surging directly into the air was so strong that it was ionizing the atoms or ionizing the molecules of the air that it was passing through. Explain what ionizing is to the class. Uh, essentially just destroying the, the molecular... Um, not design, but the molecular structure of bonds, right? Yeah, it's essentially breaking apart the bonds of the molecules themselves. So let's say you've got a water molecule, which is one oxygen and two hydrogen. Ionizing would be if you're going to ionize water, it's breaking off one of the hydrogens. So now you just have you know oxygen and hydrogen, or it's breaking them all apart. And it's just essentially you've that. got water light. <laughs> yeah, basically. And Diet so water. <laughs> yeah, and so that reaction would then you know generate blue light as a result of the energy being released. Love how it's so anyway. pretty. It is gorgeous. It's gonna kill you immediately, but at yes. least it's gonna be pretty while you die. Exactly. Um, um, and that's that's part of it is uh, the, the whole kill you immediately thing. Um, that wasn't really a joke. Uh, the Soviets told soldiers that they could, they had an option between um, two minutes mm -hmm. of shoveling sand onto reactor four yep. versus uh, a deployment of two years in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And I... Uh, Afghanistan was objectively the better choice. Yep. Uh, which is almost never the truth. Well, no, actually, because there's... So the interesting thing there is that going back to the comment of the amount of radioactivity that you can withstand, they got it down to, I believe it was a minute and a half, where... So the biggest problem with Chernobyl was all of the radioactive graphite that had been blown out of the reactor and onto the land around it, and specifically on the roofs of the other buildings. And there were three roofs in particular... And I believe Marsha, the top one, was the most radioactive one with the most element on it. And for some of the, for some of the roofs, they were able to use a, a robot to push uh, a lot of the graphite back into the reactor. But the top roof, they were not capable of doing that because the radioactivity was so high. And so what they had to do is they took thousands of soldiers, literally thousands. I think it was like over 4,000. And they donned them in... Protective gear. Protective gear, which was like rubber suits, improvised lead shielding, and they gave them shovels and said, you have 90 seconds or whatever the exact number of seconds was to put as much of that material off of the roof and into the 
back reactor again as possible and then you're done then you, you literally that's it they could never be experienced more radioactivity in their life again or it was going to begin to cause them problems and the the scene that they do that do with that in the show is to, to be horrifying. clear that was like also not really science that was theoretical Mm-hmm. That they, that the human body could withstand that much radiation was entirely theoretical at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially because, like, and you look back at this, I, I don't, I don't buy for a second that any of those soldiers were actually okay afterwards. Oh no, most of and, them were. No, and here's why. Hmm. Immediately afterwards, sure, but the U.S. did a number of uh, nuclear tests with bombs mm-hmm. throughout the 1950s, where they would detonate a nuclear device and then have Marines in trenches, only you know miles away. Mm-hmm. Who would then get out and assault, you know, the, the, the point was to see if you could use tactical nuclear weapons mm. without hurting your own soldiers. And I think it was some ridiculous proportion, like 70, over 70% mm-hmm. of the Marines involved in those experiments mm-hmm. died of cancer directly related to the experiment. But uh, Heather, thank you for the reminder, their name was the Liquidators. Um, you know, it was, m- most of them lived normal lives after that, though. Yeah. According to the Soviets? Uh, no, even like just third party investigations. Right. Right. I'm still skeptical. Yeah. No, I'm was, skeptical that the U S didn't pull that off. There were, there were plenty of people who did not live normal lives after that. But yeah. A lot of the residents of Pripyat. Yeah. A lot of the residents of Pripyat, uh, some of the soldiers that were, I mean, you know, the liquidators were also the people who had to go in around the area. And I guess they also did have the gear too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the Marines involved in the experiments yeah. didn't they were just getting fatigued yeah. the liquidators are not just the people who came in for the military to put things back into the reactor it was also the people who essentially cleaned up the entire um exclusion zone by overturning the earth and burying the radioactivity killing a lot of the animals in the area to make sure that they weren't spreading the radioactivity outside of the exclusion zone yeah there was uh you know some people are mentioning this in here but there are a lot of a, a, a lot of credit should be given to the liquidators, and that's the great thing about the Chernobyl I, miniseries is because they do. I'm also shocked at the amount of tourism that happens today at Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can go into the plant. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing is because because that's because the liquidators did such a great yeah. job of cleaning up, and also again back to the point of like there's a certain amount of radiation in which you're capable of yeah. withstanding, and it's no longer intense enough. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, Heather, great point. I didn't realize that two of them were still alive, but there were, I don't know if you know the story of the divers, um, but there was, so a a big issue that the Chernobyl power plant, after everything had gone down, uh, was having is that, you know, the firefighters were pouring on a bunch of water to try and stop the flames Mm -hmm. and to control the... Yeah, because, you know, on top of the radioactivity, there was also literal fire. Yes, yeah. But once the flames had been put out, um, the issue was that, there was water underneath the reactor core. And the reactor core was... When they say a meltdown, they quite literally mean that the uranium and other elements that the re- uranium has generated from a failure of a reactor is in a liquid state and is melting through the concrete and the steel and all the encasing which, down into Which they call the corium. Yes. Which is way too funny for the yes. situation it, involved. It, it, so fit. So fitting. It fits, but and that's where the elephant's foot came from. Yes. Which I believe if you can't even get a robot that close to it because it'll it's, fry it. The radioactivity level has decreased enough to where it, But it's, like back in the day. Oh yeah. Like back when, in the day. back when it first started, like you couldn't it, the, the radiate No. The radiation was so strong it destroyed metal. Yes. Like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but essentially so uh Three divers had to go down underneath the reactor in order to drain 
or get rid of just all this water that was in these tanks. Otherwise, when the liquid uranium corium that was melting down hit that tank, it may have caused yet another explosion, causing even more devastation. Mm -hmm. And those three divers who were just in, like, diving protective gear and just, like, what they could withstand... Not even lead, just... Not even lead, came out and were fine. Well, that was my point about the water earlier, is that radiation does not... It, it's, maybe it doesn't, like, not contaminate it, but Let's it just try. simply does not affect water the same way it does air. Um, you know, from nuclear power industry, that spent fuel storage pools are pretty safe places to be around. Radiation-wise, they're actually safe to swim in to a point because they're service routine. Oh, well, that's... Yeah. Does radiation travel more? I, I think it's just that the way it disperses within water is, like... Uh... Because it's been lead. So, yeah, it does. So, yes, it is a good protector. It's yeah, not, not as, as good as lead, lead. but it it, protect, it is helpful. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, didn't know that. Yeah. I Because I, I remember there was something about, like, manatees swimming up, like, the Mississippi to get into nuclear reactor water. Yeah, this was apparently a problem in the South for a little while. Of course um, it was. <laughs> of course it was. Because it's warm. It's, it's nice and warm, you know? It's nice. But uh, before before we go to Super Chats, I really quickly want to address the whole Demon Core situation because it's just such a ridiculous yes. concept. Well, it's a great story, too. And it's how we ended up with uh, the Los Alamos Body Snatchers program, which was, uh, you know, I, I'll explain it. Did, did, you, did you refresh yourself on the Demon Core? Um, vaguely, from what I understand, or from what I remember, and you probably, I, I watched a video on this ages mm-hmm. ago, but essentially it was, they were... They were trying to get it to supercriticality or as close as they possibly could, mm-hmm. and they were put. It was essentially putting. I can't remember the uh, what the lid was made of, but essentially they were putting this lid on top of a piece of plutonium to try and get it as close as they could. Like it, it was two spheres, it was two semispheres yeah. around a sphere, and they were trying to enclose it as much as they could without it reaching criticality. Like, criticality, and the problem was is that they. I believe on one test, I can't remember the specific circumstances, but they dropped the lid oh, on it. Oh, yeah, because uh, his name's right there, uh, yeah. Louis Slotin. Um, yeah. He was one of the one of the scientists who worked with the Demon Corps, and I don't totally understand how this whole criticality thing works. I'm not going to pretend I do. But uh, the problem was, if the lid closed, it was going to be a, a bad day for everybody involved. Yes. Um, so, yes, good boy. Um, so the goal was to not let the lid close and they had specific tools that were designed for meant for this process of like getting that lid very close to being closed without closing it. Yep. Um, decided instead to use a flathead screwdriver. Yep. Uh, I don't know if he thought this was funny or a party trick or what, but I, it's like, I, I, I mean, imagine like being an airplane mechanic and you have all your specific tool sets and you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to use a uh, monkey wrench to fix this engine. Yeah. Like it, it just doesn't, it's just stupid. Yeah. And I'm what's incredible. a sledgehammer to fix this cooperator. Yeah. And you know, I, I shouldn't say it's stupid because it's not. Obviously, Louis Slotin was an incredibly intelligent individual yes. if he was involved in this program. But, but. Yes. It's got, I think the word here is hubris. <laughs> Being so confident in yourself yeah. um, and your abilities that you decide, you know what, uh, I, I can I can do this thing that other engineers spent like months working on with a screwdriver. N- no, you're you're a moron. You're yeah. Th- this is the same mentality of people who work in 
sawmills or uh, as craftsmen for several years, and they grow a bit too complacent with the machinery that they're working with, and that's how they lose thumbs when they're using a table saw that they've used tens of thousands of times. Uh, but it's a little bit different from cutting your thumb off and dropping a lid on a nuclear testing orb that will kill you. To be clear, what happened here was that he pondered the orb a little too closely. This is quite literally... The, it's the, <laughs> the meme in real. <laughs> the definition of pondering the orb. Yeah. Um, don't so, so, so don't ponder the orb is the... You can ponder the orb, just don't encapsulate it in plutonium. Yes. Um, ponder the orb from a safe distance. Yes. Uh, With protective gear. Yeah. I, I don't remember the all the specifics of it, but I thought it was important to mention because it's what led to uh, the Los Alamos body snatchers um, situation, which went on, I believe, all throughout the 50s uh, and maybe into the 60s. Um, you're going to hear some really bad stuff about the U.S. government right now, um, which is that... Uh, for a while, Los Alamos, which was the primary laboratory for studying nuclear uh, radiation and mm -hmm. energy, and um, you know, it, it's where I believe that's where the uh, like the Manhattan Project was centered, right? Might be, um, if I remember correctly. But that's like that's where like everyone was doing stuff. Um, you know, uh, the, the Cecil Kelly accident as well was also Los Alamos, um, mm. and it might have been him actually. I think it was him, not Sloten, that led to the Body Snatchers program, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, basically, whenever there was a nuclear accident at a laboratory, mm -hmm. a power plant, an engineering facility, doesn't really entirely matter. Whenever it happened, um, the bodies of those people would be picked up by government officials mm -hmm. and either the entire body or a portion of the body and brought to Los Alamos to be studied without the consent of the family. Hmm. So they would, and these were not always government employees. These were not people who signed a contract that said, oh yes, if I, if I do this, then I will, you know, if I'm doing this work and I die, you have permission to study my body. No, it was people died. They did not get permission from the families. They snatched the bodies and brought them to Los Alamos to study hmm. the effects of radiation on people who had been exposed to, uh, to criticality and um if i remember correctly there were some cases where it wasn't even people who had died but mm -hmm. like there were some times when people who had like just experienced it were like taken there instead of the hospital yeah uh which was not appropriate at all um so for a long time the government did this there was also an experiment where they uh put plutonium into oatmeal and fed it to people uh i forget exactly where those were practiced i it might have been um I don't think it was residential schools for Native Americans, but it might have been. Huh. Um, Haven't we done enough to them already? If I remember correctly, it, it was something like that, though. Like, I, uh, residential schools or um, insane asylums, like, stuff like that. They were just feeding people plutonium-laced oatmeal to see what would happen. Um, the amount of things between the 1940s and the 1970s like, where the government just kind of said, well, let's just see what it does. It, no, well, no, because it was literally... The, the Soviets were so bad mm -hmm. that nobody was going to, like, if something was done, if something was done in pursuit of being better than Russia, yeah, you were getting away with it. Yeah. Also, can I just say, I just, I really just got distracted by uh, Alex saying he girl bossed too close to the orb. Yes. That's going on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we are putting that on a shirt. Because that's uh, a fantastic comment. Yeah. 
that's going yeah it's going on the store um i I, we will if 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 we build that we will we will send you one Um, and we can we find a way to get the image of the guy looking at the orb but it also but like the orb is the um what is it oh wait so the well you know the the actual illustration is from lord of the rings it's gandalf is it yeah so we'll get i remember it's either gandalf or saruman but uh so we'll get gandalf looking at the demon core that's about to close (laughs) Gandalf with a screwdriver. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I now have to make this in Photoshop. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. But yeah. Um, yeah, for a long time, it was basically like, well, uh, the only people who can like stop us are the Soviets, and they're the bad guys. So, um, you know what? What are you? What you gonna do about it? You know. And that's kind of how it went. Yeah, it's that one right there, pondering my orb. Uh, I'm just gonna change that with the demon core. Yep, and um, and the blue light works too. Yeah, it does. You don't really have to change it to the demon core. The only reason to change it to the demon core is like to give it. Just give Gandalf a name tag that says Louis Lawton. Um, no, I want to change it to the demon <laughs> okay, core. Fine, just fine. just to be really on. Fine, about it. fine. But yeah, so th- there were things like uh, the Los Alamos body snatchers and um, whatever the hell was going on at Area 51. The Tuskegee experiments where they were giving uh, black men um, syphilis just to kind of see how it would go. Nice. Uh, for 30 years. Um, nice. Yeah, so government, not great. Government does a lot of bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to your listen to your personal physician. <laughs> <laughs> because if it's a government physician, you're probably being lied to. Yep. Um, Even there, grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, so, but anyway, um, and then finally, I just want to kind of joke about the Three Mile Island incident because, not joke about it, but it just, it didn't really hurt anybody. Um, but it was, uh, the, the worst nuclear accident to happen in the United States. It happened seven years before Chernobyl mm-hmm. and it happened just in the capital of Pennsylvania. Uh, there's an island that is now, I, I know they shut down at least two of them. I don't know if the other two reactors are still operational, but I know two of the reactors were shut down because one of them started to melt down. Mm-hmm. They were able to shut it down, shut it off. So the worst nuclear accident to happen in the United States was actually not that bad. Yeah. But obviously the worst nuclear accident to happen in Soviet uh, the Soviet Union was the worst nuclear accident yeah. to happen. Although Fukushima might have been... Was it as bad? Ten times less bad. Really? Yep. Was that I... because of procedures? It was literally the same thing uh, as Chernobyl in terms of what happened was uh, it, it, it happened as a result. Uh, a meltdown happened as a result of the tsunami that came from flooding. But again, uh, proper precautions were not taken, even though they were known to exist or like the problems were known to exist. Uh, safety testing and analysis from, I believe, six years prior to the ine- uh, inevitable incident showed that a flood of that type was possible and they did not have the capability to withstand it and so uh, suggestions were made to the parent company saying we really should improve the standards here or bad things will happen Uh, they ignored it and bad things happened and uh, believe it or not, it was actually really well contained. Um, the, a lot of, you know, the Japanese government and the Japanese people don't really get a lot of credit on this one because it also just wasn't really a well-followed story. Yeah. But, yeah, it was 
even though it's technically a level seven uh, in the same class as Chernobyl. Level seven does it's kind of like skill based matchmaking in Call yeah. of Duty. Like once something hits the top level, it, it can really go. Yeah, <laughs> but, the, the top level does not have a ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, level seven is considered a major accident, even though it's technically in the same level as Chernobyl. It was ten times less damaging, and it was really well contained to the area. And they did a good job of cleaning things up, and it really was not as widespread as people may think. But yeah, still another one of those elements or one of those incidences that again. Just completely human error. I just love the way that the PR people did the chart for this. That you just because you you know that there were like a bunch of scientific mumbo jumbo terms here. Yep. And then the PR department was like, "All right, so we're gonna call the the lowest level and a, a deviation." Yep. And then there's an anomaly. Yep. And then an incident. Mm-hmm. And they know it's worse than an incident. A, a serious, serious incident. incident. Uh, and then we've got an accident, which is not as bad as an incident. <laughs> wait, wait, but accident specifically with local consequences. Yes, and then uh, above that, of course, is an accident with wider consequences. And what's worse than that? A serious serious accident. accident. And then what's worse than a serious accident? A major accident. A major which I'm going to be honest, that seems arbitrary to you. Yeah. Those two terms, like I don't feel like major is worse than serious. No. <laughs> Because I know that there are definitely, like, numbers. Yep. Like, you know, hard data associated with these levels. Yep. And some PR department was just like, listen, this sounds really bad. Yeah, yeah, So what we're going to do instead is give people a whole bunch of really vague yeah. terms yeah. that kind of get the point across. And yeah. I think that the result of that has been people being very scared of nuclear energy when they shouldn't be. Yeah, people, they're, they're like, nobody knows what 3,000 Ronkin per hour means. Yeah. So... Although, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the Limerick Power Plant, yeah. the one near us, is actually the third most vulnerable in the country uh, in the case of an earthquake. But that's okay because we, because live we don't live near don't earthquakes. Yeah. Except for that one that happened in D.C. somehow, like... Ten years ago? Yeah. Yeah. I remember... That feeling, was weird. Yeah. That was uncomfortable. Do you, do, so you felt it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything in my room started shaking. I was like, hold on a sec. What is this? I was at my buddy's house, and we were on... We were on the top of, like, a, a cliff house. Mm-hmm. Like, the house was built right on a cliff. And that is, like, the worst possible place yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird neighborhood structure. Anyway, <laughs> so... And it was, like, a like a, like a a proper big neighborhood, too. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I remember being in the house and hearing the house kind of, like, start to, like, mm-hmm. shake a bit. And I remember looking out the window at the trees, and I was like... Because as I was looking, I was like, man, the wind's pretty strong. The trees aren't moving. And, <laughs> and I was like... I remember standing there, I was like... Is this an earthquake in PA? I, yeah, it was the same for me. I came downstairs and I was like, yo, mom, did you feel that? And yeah. she was like, yeah, I thought it was just me. And we turned on the news and they're like, a category, I don't know, category or whatever, but uh, like a, you know, level four earthquake yeah, in yeah. DC. And I'm like, DC, it's not my fault line. What? Like, yeah. yeah, it was weird. Um, like it shouldn't have happened as far as I understand. Also, this water was for you. Like, Oh, happens. cool. That's why it's there. Nice. Um, I just saw you drink out of like an empty water bottle. I don't know what you're Drinking doing. Drinking out of cups. <laughs> Fatalist. Burns. <laughs> anyway, all right. It is 8.08. Yes. It's time for Super Chats. So you would describe that. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Ah, yes. So for those who are new here, uh, the way that we do our question and answer section at the end of the show, the last half hour or so, um, is that we will answer Super Chats first uh, because that's how we fund the show. And if we have time, we will get to other questions. So feel free to uh, ask questions. If you use a Super Chat, we promise we'll get to it. Uh, if not, we might get to it. And that's really all we can promise you. So um, I'm not facing the computer right now.
in, so I'm just gonna kind of like pop over to pop over to. Oh God, right here. Okay, um, what have we got here? Reading through your comments. They were supposed to be on the screen, but they're not. Oh, my stepdad commented. Hi, Christian. Poor Dr. Banner. Uh, so for anyone reading uh, Christian Bennett's comments and wondering, uh, you know, what's up with that guy, uh, I grew up around that. <laughs> this man raised me. <laughs> Did you see Christian in here just, like, commenting random Marvel references? I did not. Yes, my stepdad has been in here for, like, 20 minutes just commenting random Marvel if references. If I had, I would have commented back. Also, ladies and gentlemen, I have commandeered this podcast. The way that my family interacts with our shows mm. has really thrown me for a loop. Because <laughs> I got uh, FaceTime calls from two of them on Saturday during really? the show, yeah. Well, that's entertaining. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Sam called to ask when he should come to Emo Night. <laughs> And my oh, mother called to explain why she fed me rice milk as a child instead of cow's milk. Apparently it's because I would get dark circles under my eyes when I drank uh, regular milk. But the thing about that is um, I'm just tired. <laughs> Welcome to the club. That didn't go away, you know? Oh boy, did you leave him outside? If he pees on the floor, I swear to God. I can let him in. <laughs> yeah, do that. Okay, we do have a few super chats in here that I can catch from earlier. Uh, there was the one about cigars. Uh, Jive asked about Minecraft. Here's the thing about uh, video games. Adulthood is a busy a busy time. Um, I would love to play games more. Uh, all I really have time for anymore is, like, to play some, like, Rome Total War. Yeah, I, I want to play... In my free time. I'd love to play more games, but I, I'm having... So, <laughs> I worked... Until 1 a.m. on Saturday night. So if that tells you anything about how busy my life's been lately. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've got, for those of you who are familiar, I do this podcast and YouTube with Aiden here. And then I've also got a live stream podcast on Twitch with my roommate, Pat. Check it out on Nonsense Time on Monday, or sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, 8 p.m. on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and fr uh, 5 8 p.m. on Fridays. Anyway, is that so... That one we've been doing more work. We actually just got uh, sponsored by HelloFresh, so we're going to be doing a HelloFresh cook stream tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's through Twitch. Apparently, they do those things. So yeah, so we'll be cooking HelloFresh. How many meals. followers does Pat have? Uh, 106 now. Uh, Why am I not sponsored by HelloFresh? I've got 500 or so. Well, we've also got how many subscribers do you have? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the key because we've got like 107 subscribers or something like that. Gotcha. People just like keep gifting us subscribers to like anybody who comes into the stream. Sheesh, I need so, some of your followers. They're uh, the same followers. Are they really? Yeah. Mostly. I need a Twitch stream more, I guess. Yes, you do. Um, but yeah, so come check that out. But So I'm doing that. Also, I just finished uh, a new draft of a script that I'm working on selling. I have to grab one of his treats. go for it. Uh, I have gone through, made the changes I needed to, and then I just did another re-go through. Of, I'm going to switch seats again uh, to check grammar and spelling. i got to do that either tonight or tomorrow morning and then send it off to the person who may or may not be selling it. And then I also have a 95. So... Four things, and then I'm also a pro uh, part of another web series pilot project that's kind of, I, I'm just occasionally, uh, you know, helping again. I helped uh, co-direct that back in November of 2019. Or was that 2020? 2019. Wow, that's been a while. Um, but yeah, so that's still in development. So technically, I'm doing five things at the moment. 
and they're only increasing uh, in scope. So I enjoy it. I like being busy, but it just means that I don't have much time for myself. Yeah. Or, or to go out anymore, which my roommates are sorely getting mad at me for. Yeah. But I, uh, you happy now that you have your treat? Yeah, good boy. Sit. Good puppy. Uh, uh, so what else we uh, I know over here we had Jive said something about blood being in the stomachs of the people at Dyatlov. I believe that is correct. Interesting. Okay. Um, we have which could apply a number. Laz for ten dollars saying, uh, "Don't know if you guys do TRPGs, uh, but I highly recommend Demon Gate High. Red up your alley with Windy Boys, demons, people with supernatural powers, Nephilim, really cool stuff. That sounds like a great game that you and I could play um, if we had time." Yeah. Hopefully we'll have more time. Does TRPG also, mean tabletop RPG? I'm not sure. I might be doing a D&D campaign on Tuesdays with a couple of the guys in town. I have to ask if they're okay with me filming it. Mm, but if they fun. are, then I'd be happy to Twitch stream it. Yeah, that'd be fun. If also, not, we might do our own anyway. We've been talking about fair. it. That's fair. Also, I need a new computer because my computer can no longer really run the games I need to run. Uh, plus, just for editing purposes, it would make it so much faster. But... Uh, that's why I'm doing five different things to try and make the money in order to yes. afford those things. But anyway. Well, um, uh, I don't know if you have any debt, but, you know, soon I'll be giving you a large lump sum of money. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, no <laughs> that debt. That would actually be enough to pay for a new laptop at this point. I would hope. Um, uh, is long for $5. Thank you very much, Is. We, we, says, we really stretched out our, uh, our ability to survive here. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, Absolutely. Pulled it's it almost, off, though. It's almost impressive. Pulled it off. Yeah, we did. Well nice. done, sir. Go us. <laughs> Um, as expected, I have no relevant question. Please tell Archie I love him and that he's doing great. Also, question: What are his favorite treats? Archie. Archie really likes these uh, these like beef stick things. Uh, is I'll doing great. is I'll let you know exactly what the treats are, but uh, I will I will find I will find out. Doctor Glorfindel for five dollars says toss a coin to your Aiden. Uh, Which Aiden? Aiden's. Oh, Aiden's. Yes. Okay. It's also going to great. Uh, oh, also, yeah, I swapped out the medallion recently. Uh, instead of the Witcher one, I've got a Superman one lately, just because, I don't know. This is character regression. Feeling that vibe. No, no, no. I still <laughs> switch it up. I keep the switch up. This is, this is character regression to high school? No, no, no. They're, they're, Becca they're, and I are going to stage an intervention. <laughs> they're, they're both Henry Cavill. It's fine. Oh, God. Um, uh, anyway, do you have a solid recommendation for a book on King Alfred the Great? That's all you. Oh. Uh, ooh. Hmm. That depends. If you're looking for something uh, not fictional, let me get back to you. Uh, let me go through uh, through through my stuff because I've got. Also, it depends if you're looking for like primary source or like chronicle versus um, modern historians writing uh, writing about the period. So I will I will definitely get back to you. I have you on Twitch or not Twitch on Discord. Um, I have like a laundry list of people I have to get back to about that, which is why, as I mentioned to you on Thursday, mm -hmm. um, we did launch our new website. So we do have a website now. Uh, there is not much on it, but it is lorelodge.com. Uh, the lorelodge.com was taken. Um, yeah, don't ask me why. But uh, the next step for that website is going to be a retail store as well as. Um, a like reading list which we will hopefully uh have on the store so uh when it comes to reading lists that that's coming up um i th i personally think the website looks very nice yeah, uh pretty solid. very clean um and you can get in touch with us directly through it uh which is kind of awesome here pull it up onto the oh no we, we don't have it doing we don't have it going that way um don't 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 it'll just mess things up <laughs> yeah but uh if you want to check it out it's lorelodge.com it's optimized for mobile so um Sweet. go ahead and check it out 
but uh, I will get back to you about that. If you are looking for fiction, um, the Last Kingdom books, uh, I believe they're the Saxon Chronicles uh, by Bernard Cornwell. Um, the first, like, six books all deal with Alfred. So mm -hmm. I would highly recommend those if you're interested in the period. Uh, Bernard Cornwell is not only a phenomenal uh, historical fiction author, but at the end of the book, he goes through and he has an appendix where he tells you anything he changed from mm -hmm. the actual historical record. So in some cases, like, he'll move a battle up a few months mm -hmm. or he'll change the location slightly. Yeah. And he says at the end of the book, I changed this battle from happening on this date to happen on this date because it flowed with the story better. Instead of it being a couple of months between these two events in in the story, I wanted it to be like more like a week. So I yep. moved this battle up a couple months. So if you want, if you want to learn about the time period through the lens of a uh, you know a fictional character, mm -hmm. uh, Bernard Cornwell's Saxon Chronicles absolutely phenomenal. Covers the whole period. They're so good. Uh, and the Last Kingdom TV show on Netflix is based off of mm -hmm. them. So I highly recommend both of those. Phenomenal. I I think I read all of them in like two months in high school. Um, yeah, so just really good. Can't recommend them enough. Just in terms of book series, from my perspective, oh, thank you, Christian. Uh, if any interest whatsoever, I just started a new series, not a new series, but new for me, uh, which is the Aubrey Martin series, which is the first book is Master and Commander. And the reason I got into that was because I love, I fell in with, or I fell in love with it a few years ago when I found it, the movie Master and Commander Far Side of the World, which stars. Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany, who you may recognize as Vision from Marvel. Uh, the movie was made in 2003, and it's about a captain and a surgeon on a ship in the Napoleonic Wars and their journey to track down and hunt down a French frigate, which is about twice their size, and the interesting things that occur. And it is considered one of the most historically accurate films ever made, even though the story is fiction, because the author of the book series, which it's based off of, was very, very adamant about making sure that his stories were very historically accurate and gave credit where credit was due to the real people of the period and also gave credit to where credit is due of what life was actually like for people living on those ships in the Navy in the early 1800s. It's a really fascinating lifestyle to me. I've always been interested in those ships, their design. I thought, think they're beautiful. And that lifestyle. I'm, I'm, I've always been called to the sea. I love boating. I love being on or near the water as much as I can, so it's really interesting for me. And the book series so far, I'm in the middle of chapter one. Uh, really great. Also, partly, I'm doing research because there's a book that I'm eight chapters into that uh, is 200 years prior to that, but I'm doing this in order to further understand uh, life on ships at that time and just better and things like that. <laughs> medieval so, shipping. Yeah. Well, no, no. Oh, boy. 1600. 1600. Oh, okay. It's not quite medieval, but yeah. yeah. Uh, boy, but in the medieval period, you get a Hulk. Um, yeah, no. I, lo I like my brigs and frigates, and because I'm doing mine's more of a pirate story, but it's fighting pirates, not the of the pirates. But anyway, the medieval period, the ships—they were basically like, what if we built a castle on both sides of this ship? What? <laughs> it's literally just a big what fat boat. They were called hulks, H-O-L-K, um, and it was more than just those. Caravels were also built the same way. But, uh, like, if you look at that one right there, the this second guy? one, that's, yeah. They, literally, they just, they just built towers with battlements and everything on both sides. It was wow. ridiculous. But medieval navies were also very hodgepodge and thrown together. They were purpose-built. Uh, they were usually made up of conscripted ships. You didn't really have medieval warfare on the, on the seas. Um, Meanwhile, 
Yeah, I mean, he's got yeah. gorgeous. Or or. Hang but on. Um, check this but, out. Well, there's more questions we gotta get to. I, they will, well, hang on. Okay, uh, Aiden. Look at these guys. Gargantuan. Yeah. Anyway, uh, oh, so first yeah. rate ships. Yeah, first rate you, ships. Are, honestly, you should yeah. play uh, Empire Total War. Yeah. Yeah, you'd probably really like it. And I think it came out like 2006, so your computer could definitely run it. Ooh, but excited. the naval battles are really all with this stuff. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right, so uh, Christian Bennett, Christian, uh, gave us $20. Thank you very Christian. much. Thanks, uh, Christian. And then underneath it said the super chat was for Archie. He likes Chewies. He does like Chewies, well, we'll, yes. We'll be giving those to him. Uh, Captain Alien for 1999. Thank you very much. Uh, said Aiden the Windusi is your Mr. Smith. <sighs> okay, Film Boy. Film Boy, explain what that means to me. Okay, so do you know who Mr. Smith is? No. Have you ever seen The Matrix? Yes. Okay, Mr. Smith in The Matrix. No. Mr. Smith in The Matrix is the guy with the glasses who said... Oh, Tommy Lee Jones? No. Oh. He's not in The Matrix. Is he? No. No, no, no. It's this guy. What? This guy. The guy says, hello, Mr. Anderson. Right, I always think that was Tommy Lee Jones. Do you Jones. hear that, Mr. Anderson? Well, I know now. Uh, for some reason, I always thought it was Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, no. I mean, fair Maybe enough. Maybe thinking of Men in Black. Yeah, you're probably thinking that's of Men in Black. That's far yeah. um, But anyway, played yeah. by. That's, that's Elrond. Yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that would make... You me... should have just said Elrond in The Matrix. I want to know what yeah, you meant. well, I'm not as familiar with The Lord of the Rings as you are. Also, <laughs> um, you uh, that would make you Neo, which is Keanu Reeves. I don't know who that makes me. Does that make me Trinity or Morpheus? How's my pose? <laughs> I'm not going to actually. I was going to make an ATF joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although I did put a shirt on the Unqualified Apparel store today that says uh, those level four plates. Um, I'm really proud of that one. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, I'm not going to explain to anybody what that means. No, We're just no going to carry on. But those it would who, help you fight the wind, Dussie. That's one of those um, if you know, you know things. Yeah. Why is one of these uh, Mr. Smiths a orangutan? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh, because it's from Mr. Smith, the TV series. Of course it is. Um, I don't know why one is... Oh, and Mr. Uh, yes. uh, Reynolds is... Yeah. Um, Ronald Hughes for five dollars says, yes, Aiden needs to Twitch stream. I know, I, I know, I know. I'll, uh, you know, I'll, what I'll try and do again is I'll see if I can convince Isaiah to hop back onto Rebirth with me. Um, that'll be fun. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, on Thursday, we will be having um, the the Weird Bible podcast. Oh, wonderful. Uh, I got a lot of flack for uh, saying some stuff about hell uh, on TikTok. So I texted Isaiah earlier this week and I said, or like over the weekend, and I was like, hey, um, Wendigoon, for those who don't know. um, I texted him and I go, hey, you want to talk about hell this week? Uh, And he he goes, what a way to start a conversation. Absolutely. Um, So here we are. We will be talking about hell and uh, the Bible and, you know, all the different ways it's depicted from the more Tartarus-like pit of the Old Testament up through uh, the comparisons to a uh, lake of fire and brimstone with gnashing and wailing of teeth uh, and how those two things can be reconciled. How wonderful. Yes. And then the last super chat that we have is from Iz saying, for $5, thank you, saying, Amazing! I'm finalizing package. Uh, I'm finalizing the package, and Archie's presence are the final piece. <laughs> also, pretty boy, how dare you abandon your inner Gerald? I didn't abandon. I'm just simply switching. I, I like. I like that I'm season two Yaskier. <laughs> a, a, a well improved Yaskier, I should say. Um, I, I'm not abandoning. I'm simply uh, uh, switching things up a bit. I, I'm. I'm. I'm liking the mentality and the outlook of Superman a little bit more. That that's of my disposition. That, that's where I'm laying at the moment. Unlike so. you who worships false idols and men, I have a cross on my neck. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you heathen. I like Superman. 
Uh, yep, and that's um, Blue Snow Shovel. That's it on the super chats. Uh, Salty Steve. What? 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 Salty Steve? What? You have to say what for your boyfriend? No, buy. Buy that for my boyfriend. I read buy is say. I'm not dyslexic. I'm just stupid. Um. <laughs> Start a conversation with you like what? Uh, <laughs> like, hey, you want to talk about hell this month? Ah, uh, yeah. Instead of right. you up. I always forget that this um, is the way. That's that's gonna be my uh, my dating app intro from now on. Might as well. Be. <laughs> hey, you want to talk about hell? Um. <laughs> Uh, that sounds like a very Peterson way to start it. I cannot give you any good Asian historical fantasy. Um, I, I just, I do not know. Um, Reynolds says, excuse me, I do have to re-hear for a second because my first super chat wasn't read. Oh, what was it? That's is, that's Reynolds. Ah. Scrolling. Oh, can you please... Get a normal sized mouse, for the love of God! <laughs> I have one, but I just left that there because it's a spare. Um, uh, I promise, I promise I'm not going to ask for a recap this time. How y'all doing? I'm, doing, I'm good. Uh, I have heartburn, but that's normal. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm alright. I'm like, I'm, the, more, the busier I get, the more I'm enjoying it. I'm becoming a bit of a workaholic. I, uh, I just enjoy the fact that my bank account has more than two digits in it right now. <laughs> Fair. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm also enjoying not going out as of recently because uh, past month or so I've had more going out than coming in, uh, so which hasn't been great. What's that mean? Money. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> yes, no, I've had more expenditures than Ah, okay, pro- I profit, see. Now I understand. So, yeah. <laughs> Sounds but, like this business. <laughs> yeah, well. Whoo. Anyway, Studios are not cheap, guys. Is what? Studios are not cheap. No. What do you want, sir? Um, that is my hand. He's being a very good boy. But, yeah. Uh, but, you know, if uh, the, the Lore Lodge, uh, lorelodge.com will have an online store available soon where you can see our reading list suggestions and uh, purchase books and whatnot um, to help us rather than Barnes & Noble. We're also going to be selling candles and Duke Cannon products. We a do. few other things. I will get to it in a moment. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say we have to do two, two more. Okay, just give me one second. Okay. But yeah, so look for that. Uh, you can also sign up for, uh, like, uh, you know, being on the email list and everything. So we're going to get a lot more professional about that. I might be hiring somebody to handle that, perhaps, maybe. We'll see. It depends on uh, how the money looks. But um, yeah, so... If you have not checked it out yet, uh, lorelodge.com, go head over there. You'll be able to see a bunch of cool stuff. And when the store launches, I will let everybody know. Nice. Uh, two more Super Chats are, is asked for $2. Pretty Boy, how was the John Mayer concert? When I tell you that wait, wait, I wait, wait, have... wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I, uh, I just want to set the mood. Don't get us demonetized. <laughs> That's not what I meant. Ah. <laughs> when I say that I had decent expectations for that concert, 
pretty high, in fact, considering how much I enjoy his music, and I find him entertaining as a person. To say that it went beyond anything I was possibly capable of expecting is near an understatement. It was fantastic. He soloed on every song, and it was glorious. I've never seen a man play a guitar like that. Ever. I want to do a mini-series where you read the Quran exactly like you just spoke that. I don't know what for, but it popped into my head while you were talking. I will happily read any book. No, no, it has to be the Quran. I will start with the Quran. We'll in, start in the Arabic. Um. <laughs> so, first step, I have to learn Arabic. No, 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 just read it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, just want, I just want to have a video of Aiden going, Inshallah. <laughs> over and over again. And we shall, and we shall. All right, and... All right, what's, he says there's every light. Um, Wrong book. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But do we want to leave those down? Oh, yeah. I'll pull them up. Yeah, that was... Okay, um, I see what you were going for now. Yes, yes, That yes, makes yes. a lot more sense. Were they not um, bright? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, yeah. We keep it nice and bright. Uh, Captain Alien for 1999 said, Tech Aiden is Morpheus indeed. I'm totally buying that shirt. It's, that's amazing. Which is... What did I say for the shirt again? Uh, did you mean... I think he, the plates one. Oh, the level four plates shirt. I think so. <laughs> uh, I know we said we we're gonna put something else on a shirt though, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to like rewatch the show and remember what I said, or what was said. It was a comment that somebody left. Fair um, enough. Uh, and then he said, uh, "Aiden, I saw you went to see John. Yeah, seriously, it was so much better than I ever could have thought. I think one of the highlights of the show was um, he was going on a mid-show little rant. You know, when uh, musicians talk to the audience, and he got sidetracked." Because he said, you know, he was talking about something or whatever, and he was like, you know, I'm, I'm looking into the audience right now, and just there's there's somebody who's just on their phone with their forehead, and it just says haircut. And he went on like a two-minute rant about how he can't get a haircut right now because all of the posters for the concert tour have his hair long, and he's like, can't do that. He did make a joke, on Sunday, I'm going to get a haircut just for you, just so you know. And then he did the song, um, Who Says, afterward. Uh, and in that song, there's a line in which it says, uh, it's been a uh, long night in Austin, too, and usually he changes, it in the live performances, uh, that lyric to whatever city he's in just to get a, a nice you know, little thing. He didn't. And then afterward, immediately afterward, he said, you know, I normally do that, uh, but uh, I, I just I forgot to because I was so focused on the haircut comment. And everybody started laughing. He's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not different than you guys. You know, you go out in, in a shirt and somebody says that's oh, a weird color and you think about it for seven hours. I'm the same way. And he's just, you know, he's a very, he is a silly, goofy mood in the flesh. <laughs> it's just entertaining to witness. That's why I enjoy his being. Um, but then what do we have else? I'm just enjoying Becca's story about the guy who opened on Tinder with, uh, did you know Victorian people used to eat mummies? Um... I was, I did hear that for some reason. Also, that, guys, that is the kind of line that would work on her. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, if you guys want me to do like, like reading of things, I can. Uh, there's stuff I could read. I'm oh, do sure. you want to go back to doing story time? Yeah, I could do. That. <laughs> Since mm. I keep forgetting to. Yeah, I guess I could uh, do them. I'll I'll write them. Sure. Well, not write them, but I'll edit them if you read them. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> fine yeah. with me. Uh, uh, this is gonna be more. Tech I 
Yeah. Thank you, Wyatt. Yeah, if you want to yeah, uh, edit sure. them and send them to me, I'll read them. Uh, also, I have like a short story that I could read for a story time for you guys. Lorraine <laughs> got to do a dramatic reading of the Book of Enoch. Oh my god. That would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, hold on a second. A slam poetry version of the Book of Enoch? Lord. Now that, that would be a scene. Um... What do you mean? We get all the donation goals this month. How? We're at least damn close to it. I don't have the I have the list somewhere. Are we really? Yeah, because we have another show this month, right? Yeah. Yes, we're oh. gonna hit them. Um, wow. Yeah, but uh, here I'll go back well, and that's nice. find them again. Um, but no, here I'll because uh, we'll probably do this for next month. But since you suggested a dramatic reading of the Book of Enoch, oh, here we are for. Uh, and then unless there's more super chats, we'll wrap yeah. up after this. So I'll just do a brief one, and then we'll make that a, we'll make that a donation goal, I guess, for next month, all right? Um. The words of the blessing of Enoch, wherewith he blessed the elect and righteous, who will be living in the day of tribulation, when all the wicked and godless are to be removed. And he took up his parable and said, Enoch, a righteous man, whose eyes were opened by God, saw the vision of the Holy One in the heavens, which the angels showed me, and from them I heard everything, and from them I understood as I saw, but not for this generation, but for a remote one which is to come. So, if you want that but the entire thing, which, by the way, is extraordinarily dense, it's only like 70 pages. But, oh, uh, that's the Mabinogan. I'll read some of the Mabinogan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's a good... Here's a small paragraph. Then the king was mightily wroth with Ephim, Elfin, Elfin for so stoutly withstanding him. Dude, it's like the national folklore of Wales. You're not going to be able to read half the names. Respecting the goddess of his wife, wherefore he ordered him to his prison a second time saying that he should not be loosened thence until he had proven the truth of his boast, as well as concerning the wisdom of his bard as the virtues of his wife. Nice. Nice. I'm glad there was only one name in that paragraph. Yeah, there's a, there's a passage from... Um, Read it in the style of William Shatner. <laughs> there's a passage from... Uh, is it... How cool which one, Owen? I think it's how cool which one Olwen, where he goes through and he names all of Arthur's knights. Oh, that sounds like a lot. Also, somebody said, now sing it like you're Billy Joe Armstrong, and I realized that is your alley. Yeah, that's my job. A what, Enoch? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a fun donation I'm goal. I'm just struggling to find the donation goals here. Is um, that them? This is one of them. Was this? I think that's it down there. We, did is we it? never come up with the 750 one? Maybe we didn't, or I don't think this is the last one that we had. Also, Eli, thanks for always telling us how much we uh, how much we got. Apparently, we have earned 114 this stream. Uh, we're gonna have to go through and, and check the the rest of that because I, I definitely think we're at least getting up there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we had uh, for two maybe that was it. Yeah, for 250 we had a jam sesh, uh, which we'll do on Twitch because if we yes. do it here, we will get demonetized. Yes. Uh, for 500, you and I have to have a wrestling match. Oh God. Which is gonna be really fun for me. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> for 750, uh, I guess that's where dramatic reading of the Book of Enoch fits in. Um, that works. Yeah. Uh, we can we can switch off on that one. You can each do uh, do a little bit of it. Sure. Uh, and then for 1,000 was the 24-hour stream. Oh, good lord. So uh, I think they've probably hit don't up make to the 751. Don't make me do two of those, guys. So if you guys want to do a 24-hour stream with us... Uh, well, I have to do a 24-hour stream with Pat on Nonsense Time. Because we hit 100 subscribers. Well, that's on Twitch, right? Yeah. You know what I'm thinking? What? <laughs> we do them together. Oh, good lord. That would be a lot. Pat and I can revisit our drinking contest. Jesus. <laughs> bad that idea. that went really well the first time. Yeah, bad idea all around. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, yeah, so uh, I think anyway. that, that just about covers everything. Yeah, that's... that's, that's all it. right. So, um, is there anything further? Mm-mm. Cool. All right, then. Uh, thank you, everyone, for stopping by. Uh, we will have more content. Uh, I think we have a History Hut on Tuesday, right? Or did we have one last week? I think we had one last week. All right. Even if... Uh, we'll have a History Hut soon. Um, Somebody's saying now we should do Morgan Freeman for Enoch. Oh my god, that would work actually. That'd be entertaining. Um, but yeah, so oh, I I have weird notes on here like Idaho lore. Thanks is um, thanks. So uh, yeah, but uh, on Thursday of this week we will mm-hmm. have uh, the Weird Bible podcast. I should have a story time up Wednesday. Um, Okay. Uh, I should have time to do if that. If you need me to do anything, let me know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so probably Storytime Wednesday, definitely Weird Bible Podcast Thursday. We will be talking about hell. Um, and then uh, Saturday, of course, there will be a lore video. I think this is going to be about the Dogman. So that's mm. a highly requested topic. Uh, highly requested from Patreon as well. Okay. Um, somebody definitely wanted one from Patreon. I can't remember who it was. Uh, it was uh, Imaginary, was the Patreon subscriber. Mm. Um, so if you want to request topics for videos, you can do that on our Patreon now. Um, and we will do those videos. Uh, if you don't know about the Patreon, it's just The Lore Lodge on Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Lore Lodge. Check it out. Uh, I think the link is probably in almost every one of our videos at this point. Um, and then, yeah, uh, next Tuesday we should have a, uh, a... If we don't have one coming out tomorrow, then it's going to be next Tuesday, right? Correct. Yes. So next Tuesday there will be a History Hut. All you can expect. Um, and I, I'm hoping mm-hmm. next Tuesday will be our first... Lore Lads podcast. Oh, that'll be fun. That's something we haven't announced yet. Uh, we will be having a much more chilled out uh, talk show kind of thing uh, with a few of our buddies. That will be called the Lore Lads. Um, and you can actually already get t-shirts that say Lore Lad, but go for it. Uh, they're on the, the lorelodge.shop. Uh, so, yeah. But uh, that's that's all I have to say. Anyway, thank you everybody for stopping by the Lore Lodge. I'm Aiden Mattis. This is Aiden Thornbury. And um, I said thanks for stopping by the Lore Lodge too early.